Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Olympic champion, beach volleyball player, April Ross. April has won at every level. She won at high school. She won two national championships with USC Indoor. One year they went undefeated. I mean, that is (laughs) very hard to do. Then she redirected her energy, decided she would play beach volleyball. She since has won a bronze medal, silver medal, and now a gold medal. And we had a wonderful conversation. For me, it was such a treat because I don't know April. We're from different generations. And so to hear from her, her journey was, it was just, it was a real honor and a treat to just have that time with her. And we talked about you know, all that she's been through. You change partners. Um, Her sophomore year of college, she lost her mother to breast cancer. And how do you, you know, show up for school and, and you're expected to play and perform and grieve at the same time? How do you, how do you navigate that at 19 years old? How do you switch partners and even take a chance? She won the gold with Alex Kleiman, who was a very accomplished indoor player, but hadn't really played much beach volleyball. And April decided to go for the Olympics with her in 2020, which obviously was 21, and they did it. And so what what did that look like? What was the process? How did they get that done? How did you have the confidence? You know, she talked about sort of believing in Alex and Alex's intention, even before the skill had caught up. And it was just fascinating to see somebody who is so focused, goal-oriented, driven, hardworking, a killer and really chill. And I think it's hard to pursue anything at the highest level and give it everything you have and yet still try to keep developing yourself and building yourself out as a human being. And April really is an example of somebody who wants to keep learning and keep their eyes open, but also is willing to say, hey, this is what works for me. Before we did this conversation, I called one of her coaches and we talked about, you know, April and something she said that I thought was really important was, is she on the beach the best number one in, you know, in every category, passing or hitting or blocking or serving? She's not, but she is the best player. And that says everything. Here's somebody who can put it all together. They know themselves. They're mentally very, very tough. They adapt when things aren't going how they should. And they're not afraid to say, I want to do that and then do what it takes to make that happen. So I hope you enjoy. 
So April Ross, thank you for coming to my home. I really appreciate it, especially given I was thinking about it today because, you know, it's like you try to look at it from the other person's point of view. You've been on a face poll for several, like now you're moving into months. And I just appreciate you kind of tacking this into your schedule after. How are you, like now you're home. Yes. Are you home or do you have something else? Well, oh my gosh, my... House has been under construction for a year. It was supposed to take three months. So I was redoing my house while I was training for the Olympics. And it just, yeah, because I needed more stress in my life. And I thought after the Olympics, I'm going to get to be able to move back into my house. Nope, not yet. Still not yet. Are we close? Are you close? I just don't. Maybe. Did you change change your mind is what I want to know. No. Okay, because you're not, no, meaning like, you know, when you're in in any kind of construction, the death of it. Is making any changes? Well, I'm, I have made changes throughout the along the way, like plenty of changes. Yes, and I'm on the road, and I'm in a tournament, and my contractor's like, "What tile do you want in your bathroom?" I'm like, "I don't know. They all look the same online, and I don't have time to go in the store, and I get home, and I don't like it." And I, uh, so, a lot of it is my fault. But um, hopefully, by the holidays, I'll be back. Right now, I'm in Manhattan Beach with my boyfriend, so a little That's closer nice. to Malibu. Yeah, That's nice. Yeah. And then will you, will you going forward in, through the holidays, will you get to stay in California or will you be bopping a little bit more? I feel like I just entered my off season truly about a week ago. Mm-hmm. And so now it's a lot of being home. And in the past, I've always wanted to go and get away and like vacation somewhere else. And now I'm like, I just want to stay home. For me, that's the relaxing vacation part. I am going to Montana with my sister and her husband's family for Thanksgiving oh. for a week. It's like out in the middle of nowhere on a river. So oh, that's I, really peaceful out there. And your niece and nephew. And my niece and nephew. So you get that injection of yeah, family anti. time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for people who, I'll just, you know, sort of bring people up to speed. Uh, You're just coming off winning a gold, but you have won a bronze medal and a silver medal in the Olympics. You've won pretty much anything in indoor volleyball as far as university. You've won championships. I have to ask you about being undefeated, having an undefeated season. Because I was around when UCLA had an undefeated season and then they lost in the finals. Do you, oh, do you know about this? No, I don't. This is a long time ago. You were like a teenager. It was Natalie Williams and Elaine Youngs, and they had this crazy season. It was like women against girls when yeah. they went to play. I mean, okay. they just ate everyone alive. I, I, I mean, I'm going to go on a limb and say that they always won even in in straight uh, sets. Like, I I think they didn't even drop. I can picture EY being on a team like that. (laughs) Yeah, and Natalie Williams went on to become, uh, she played, I played professional fours with her, and she also played in the WNBA for multiple years. She was highly talented. She was an All-American at UCLA in basketball and volleyball. They had had a lot lot of talent. And then they lost in the finals. So when I saw that you guys won and won, there's something interesting for me about it starts there for a champion like you. So here we are maybe 20 years later or thereabouts, a little bit less. And But there were things that occurred there that maybe gave you some sort of lesson. And I'm curious about like, was it your coaches? Was it the team? Because the pressure builds when, you be, when you're undefeated. Yeah. What was the conversation at USC that w- instead of, because then it becomes, oh, it's yours to lose. Yeah, 
I feel like that's been a common theme of all the teams I've been on. We've been good in high school. We were good in club. We were good. And I also had really tough coaches who yelled and punished us and made it really tough. And even when you think you're doing well, they find what you're doing poorly, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you have to kind of be like, no, I'm going to, you know, prove to you that I can do this and I'm good. And um, when we started winning in high school, it wasn't as intense as college, that's for sure. But, you know, our coach really wanted us to win. The people around us really wanted us to win. But it was almost like our team wanted to win more than anybody else. And so we really pushed each other. And that was the same thing in college, but like times 10 at USC. I just felt like I was surrounded by the most competitive, intense, like gnarly athletes. And losing was not okay. We were, you know, all or nothing in all parts of our life. And so when it came to training, you know, we pushed each other, we yelled at each other and it was like, okay, because we knew what we were going for. And we went... My junior year, we went, uh, we lost one match, so almost undefeated. And then we won the national championship. And the next year, it was like, well, how are we going to improve upon that? You know, and it was like that one loss wasn't okay. And we just were rolling. And the more we won, it was like the more we knew we could and the more we needed to. And we pushed ourselves. And it was almost like our coach at the time was he didn't know what to do with it. You know, it was kind of like, well, I just, he let us go with it. And it was kind of like, Hey guys, be careful of this, you know, or be careful of this and kind of just like allowed us to do our thing. But they were some of the most intense athletes I've ever been around. And I, I listen, you've talked about it a lot that your sophomore year, your mom passed away uh, of breast cancer and, or it started there at least. And So, of course, we all, if we have the opportunity to go into college, and especially if you go in for a sport, you do come out a different person. You grow up, there's life lessons, all these things, but you sort of had double things happening. So you were, at that level, you're basically a professional athlete, pretty Mm -hmm. much. I mean... It's it's pretty You're, much yeah earning your your education yeah and yeah. people I mean it's hard and so yes when you go to the professional level everyone's that good and there's sort of that next level but ultimately you're sort of getting that already at, at USC but I I'm interested to know when you came out of USC in what ways did the volleyball and even the situation with your mom how were you different than when you went in because you were already an intense athlete coming out of high school. Um, I think when my mom passed, it made everything feel a little bit more important. And like, I was in control of my future. There wasn't anybody, you know, saying like, if if I did something bad, my mom wasn't there to be like, April, what are you doing? You know, it was kind of like, I had to police myself a little bit more at that point. And I started viewing things as like, what would make my mom proud? And I at first was grieving, wasn't going to class, partying too hard, and my grades really slipped and my volleyball fell apart. And I had this uh, moment where I was checking my grades and just kind of sitting there and was really devastated when I got my grades and just thinking about what had gone on volleyball-wise. And I was like, what would my mom want me to do? And what would make her proud? And it flipped a switch for me. I started, I literally, I got a paper planner. I said, okay, these are my classes. I'm going to every single class. I'm going to bed by 10 p.m. every night. Got really regimented. And that was a big turning point for me. I got great grades the last two years of my time at USC and won two national championships. And um, so I think both those things happening, like thinking about 
you know, what my mom would want me to do. And then also seeing it pay off volleyball wise Mm -hmm. and how we won just really became ingrained in me. And I knew it was like figuring out the formula for success a little bit or what it was for me. And there's been ups and downs and I've fallen off here and there, but I kind of knew, you know, and to this day, it's like, this is what it takes to be disciplined and, and do what I want to do. So that was a that was really good groundwork I think for for especially going into beach volleyball. So I went into pro indoor volleyball mm-hmm. thinking I'm just going to make some money so that I can go back to school and do what I want career-wise. Yeah, you're and, talking about law school, right? Yeah, I wanted to go back to law school, become a lawyer. I just thought I'm competitive, I can argue. <laughs> um and I, so that was my purpose for playing indoor professionally. And I hated it. Like every season, I just, I couldn't stand it. And I was like, after the first year, I'm not going back. After the second year, I'm not going back. Finally, after the third season, I was like, I'm done. I quit volleyball and then moved on to beach eventually. But I think that groundwork of being self-motivated and just routine driven has helped me so much. I think, you know, a lot of people will see someone like you and, and, you know, this list of accomplishments and you're big and strong and, and uh, you make it look easy when you compete. And it was it's interesting to watch you play because you have this sort of even temperament that n- not all athletes have, right? Like you can see when they're up and they're a little more, you know, fired up and you can see when they're sort of down. And it looks to me when I watch you that you have like steadiness and a little more fired up. It doesn't look like you you have found the way to sort of either conceal or manage, you know, the oh, it's not going our way right now. Momentum's on the other side, so it is it is interesting to watch. But I want to back up because we were talking about how so people see that and they go, oh, well, she, it's so easy. And anytime anybody does anything very well, it looks easy. So nobody understands all the intri- intricacies that are in there. And so this self motivation piece, you've been at this a really long time. When you came out of USC at that high level and that high intensity, were you still in love with volleyball? I don't think so, to be honest. I had trained with the um, indoor national team every summer. So I've wanted, you know, because for me, every step of my journey has been what's, you know, I get somewhere and experience success. Okay, what's the next thing that I can push myself to try and do? And it was, okay, let's make the national team go for the Olympics and all that. Um, But I had really discouraging experiences with the indoor national team. And so it wasn't something I felt like after college I could go and pursue. So I went, I wanted to play professionally. I had an avenue to do that. So I did that, like I said, kind of as a means to do what I wanted to do next. I was, I I wasn't into volleyball. Like it was something I did well and I could make money doing. So I did it, but, um, I didn't know how to take care of myself. And so my body broke down and I, so physically I was hurt mentally and emotionally. I was, I kind of secluded myself down there. I felt like really far away from family and friends and didn't make friends while I was down there. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like a, it was just a perfect storm of what, is you know can make you miserable. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like if if every time you go to do something, it's almost like a a time out of your real life instead yes. of figuring out how to yeah. have a real life yeah. simultaneously. I didn't I understand how to make like that balance work, and yeah. so I completely fell out of love with the sport. And where does beach volleyball enter? Like, had you dibble dabbled at all when you were young? Was there even time for that? How did you? Where my, did that come from? My coach at Newport Harbor. Um, 
made us go in the off season and cross train in the sand because he's a big beach guy and we he would take us to Sano and make us go surfing and you know do all of that and I think looking back it was great but um, we all hated those days on the beach because yeah, you're, you're not good. good. You're, yeah, you're this good indoor player, yeah. and then you have to go out on the beach nice. where there's sand or there's wind and there's sun and the sand. You have to move in the sand, and you just feel terrible. And then we'd have to do conditioning in the sand, which anybody knows is the worst thing you could possibly have to do. Mm-hmm. So I grew up saying that I hated beach volleyball, and it was never on my radar. Like I, that's not that wasn't what I was going to play. But my High school and club coach always said, like, you'd be a great beach player. And I'm like, yeah, 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 but I don't like it. <laughs> well, it's interesting because they're, the thing about the beaches, and that's why actually um, I think Alex is sort of interesting because she's so big. She's so tall. I mean, she's yeah. obviously not, she's very fine. Yeah. She's a, I call her a small, big girl. I'm, I'm a little bit like that. But where you have this athlete such as yourself where you're like big, but not too big that you can't move. Yeah. So your fundamentals are solid. You can get to the ball, but you can hit the ball, you can block. So it is like almost the perfect yeah. athlete. So you leave from Puerto Rico, do you think, okay, it's over. I'm done with volleyball. That part of my life is done. What what happens? How do you go from, from there and make it to the beach? Yeah, so I quit. And then um, I needed some time just to figure out what I was going to do. And I, my stepsister worked at the House of Blues in Anaheim at Disneyland. And I'm like, can I have a job, you know, like just over the summer? And she made me a hostess and I took great pride in that. And it was a fun summer. And I kind of was like looking into, okay, do I want to go back to school, blah, blah, blah. And at some point, um, actually, yeah, I did that all summer. And then in the fall, I was actually toying around with going back to Puerto Rico. I'm like, I do not want to do this. Is that, is that work or is that identity? Because, you know, do you ever feel this way? Sometimes for athletes, I think it's very common that it's like, that's what I do. Yeah. I feel like it was opportunity. I'm, I've always been the type of person that's like, this opportunity is there. I say yes to it, you know? Mm-hmm. like, And it was just, I was paid well for Puerto Rico and it, I could have gone back and made more money and it just was like the easy thing to do. Um, but I knew I really didn't want to do that. And um, Holly McPeak actually <laughs> reached out to me and was like, hey, you know, I think you'd be good at the beach game. You should- Just out of the blue? I think I had play, I had gone down and like played a little bit or whatever. So she like got wind of it and she was like, if you stay here and train all winter, you could be really good at this. And so I decided to forego Puerto Rico and stay and train. Um, Wait, you trained with Holly? No, I trained with um, Nancy, Nancy Mason. <laughs> yeah. Another, you like the brutes. I know. Yeah. Those girls they are were, tough. I mean, but Holly was the one that I think I did train with Holly a little bit at the beginning just yeah. to like get going. And but she had, she was the one that really kind of encouraged me to make that switch permanently. And then felt like I started to have success and fell in love with the game and um, just stuck with it. What do you what do you do in those transitions? Because I think a lot of people, let's say they have a career of one kind, and then they maybe they they're moving the other desire along and then it becomes real enough that they say, hey, I'm going to put more energy and time to this. My friend Neil Strauss talked about it sort of being two trains and when the one train is moving now at this speed, it's okay to get off the train that we know and sort of get onto this other one. What Was it the people around you? Was it a combination? Like I know you're close with your sister. Where do you get the confidence? Because you're not going to, and I know you did well early, but it's still very, it's a hard transition. It is a hard transition. 
And also you're talking about a sport that doesn't actually have a ton of opportunity. You're still talking about a, a platform that it's tough even when it, you're doing, you're killing it. Yeah. So, so where do you, is it inside you? And you go, you know what, I'm going to see and take this to the end. I've done it in high school. I've done it at, in college. I know I know how to work hard and learn and gr- you know, grind it out and compete. And do you have, is it important about the people around you to sort of look at you and be like, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, I think from, a, from my parents always kind of let me make my own decisions growing up and like, what do I want to do? And they were really encouraging. And so I just feel like I've, I've always been able to feel like I just make the best decision for me and they're always supportive. And I don't know, I never feel like anyone around me is really fighting me on anything I want to do. And I'll, you know, if I really am unsure, I'll ask them about stuff. But I think in this, in this case, I felt it just, it was so deep within me and it resonated so much that I just like love this game. And it was more than playing. It was the people that, that were there. It was the travel. I've always wanted to travel the world and beach volleyball is like a perfect excuse to like see the world. You're going somewhere new every week. And I just like fell in such deep love with it, even when I wasn't good at it, that, um, it drove me and it motivated me to get better every day. And I think that's a really addicting feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. like just pushing yourself to your potential. And I forgot all about, you know, going back to school. And this was just like, I don't know. I was addicted to beach volleyball and that's what I wanted to do. What's, what's the process of learning for you? You know, some people, um, they just put their head down and grind through it. Other people are really analytical. Some people have a combination. The most dangerous ones obviously have a combination, I think. When you're approaching something new, do you, how do you find your way? Because I, I think it's so difficult when we're taking on something new, even though it is exciting because you get those, those growth opportunities. How do you orient yourself in sort of these unknown environments? I tend to jump in. Like I just jump in head first. I'm like, hey, uh, for beach volleyball, for example, like <laughs> top players would need a team to play against. Like this is probably the first two weeks I'm out there. I don't know what these terms mean. I don't know what pulling off the net means. Like, I don't know what that is. And I'm playing against Jenny and Annette who oh. are like a top team at the time. And I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm a huge believer in finding in sports, especially like just finding the best competition you can go against, like put yourself in the most uncomfortable position you can and just learn. And so that's what I did a lot at the beginning. And I learned so much. And I feel like I've always had this like beginner's mindset and I try to learn from everyone I've been coached. And, um, you know, throughout the years, like now, if something new is brought to me, I tend to fight it a little bit more and I get a little upset with myself. Like I want to be open-minded, but it's like I Back then, I knew that I didn't know anything. So it was mm-hmm. like ever, I was open to everything, whatever you have to tell me. And now I like, I'm a little more particular about how I want to do things. Someone will bring something new to me. This happened in this last quad. A coach was trying to get us to do something different. And I have to be able to have a discussion about it. Like I have to really understand it, why this is better than the way I'm doing it. As and, a, as, is this like pertaining to a volleyball strategy or training? Like, like what? a volleyball strategy. Okay. So I've done, you know, I've played defense this way my entire career mm-hmm. and he wants me to do it this way and change it. And we had, we had a talk after Tokyo and he's like, you are so difficult. You know, like <laughs> that, you know, just kind of 
in a, in a jokingly way, crushing me about how difficult I am. But mm-hmm. he's like, I think it wouldn't have worked any other way. Like he, and to his credit, he was really open about his people who have authority or coaches sometimes can just say, you know, we're doing it this way and right. no discussion. And he was really open. I questioned him daily about why we're doing it this way. And he answered me every single time and really proved to me why we should do it. it showed me video. So I don't think that's, I don't know if that's a good way to go about it, but um, that's kind of how I learn now is I just, I have to be, it has to be really collaborative and I have to buy in a hundred percent. Yeah. I think in life, like there's instinct, like obviously you had an instinct about Alex, but then I think when you have enough experience, it should be also, well, I'm trying to understand what we're doing and because I have a certain amount of understanding already. Yeah. Like I, I know what I know. I, was, I know there's a lot that I still don't know, but I know more than I used to know. So you have to like tell yeah. me. So just out of curiosity, was it a blend of where you were and he was, or did you ad- adopt his uh, system? Like Completely adopted his system. Really? Yeah. I have a th- when you tell me this, it makes me think though that maybe we go along in whatever we're doing in life. It doesn't have to be sport. And we have a certain capability and understanding, and then we're ready for the next. Like maybe he couldn't have come five years before and even shared this with you because you weren't actually even ready. And so maybe your understanding got you to a place where it's like, okay, good, you know that. Now check this out. Yeah, possibly. And I feel I feel like I've had those steps with every coach. And it's like every coach has showed up, or maybe it's just my capacity to change at that point, but they've, you know, taught me something new. I've adjusted a little bit. I, this defensive part, I've played kind of the same way my entire career. And yeah, I think honestly, that was the piece that needed to change for Alex and I to be successful this time at the Olympics. So it was the right timing. Maybe it was the universe sending it to me. Yeah. You know, like you said, I firmly believe in all that. But yeah, and maybe deep down, you just know what you need to change also and you attract it yeah. to you. Yeah, it's, it is an interesting thing though, because it's almost like we don't get to know the next thing until we know enough about where we are. And it's so uncomfortable because you're like, well, no, this kind of works for me and this feels good. And I sort of know this and it's like, uh-huh, okay, ready? And that's, yeah. And that's, I think that's part of what keeps me wanting to play is because what's the next thing I'm going to learn and the yeah. game's evolving. So that makes me evolve and I'm going to need somebody to help me figure out what I need to do next, but I'm excited about it. Yeah. And part of me also wants to do other stuff with my life and try new things and I'm excited for that. And I feel like when that comes up, I'm going to just jump in again like I did with beach volleyball and start. I'm totally fine starting at ground zero and like learning. Like that's really exciting to me also. But I don't feel like my journey of learning is done with uh, beach volleyball yet. So what is there, what is it that attracts you? Like when you, you see something and you think, oh, I'm going to, that intrigues me. I'm going to pursue that when I have a little more time. Like what things specifically? Yeah. Is there anything specific that... Um, psychology. So mm-hmm. I, and I, obviously you can tell I love learning. So I don't know if I'm one of the few people or how many people love going to school, but want to go back to school <laughs> so bad. I want to carry the textbooks. I want to go to the library. I want to sit there and read and highlight and be in class and take notes. <laughs> I'm showing what a nerd I am, but um, I just really would love to go back to school and psychology fascinates me and it's becoming such a larger part of sports now and just mental health and sports psychology. And um, I've used it a lot to help me and I just 
would love to um, get involved in that part of it. So your training, see, I think that's, but I do think it's fascinating before I leave there, is when somebody has gone through something and actually understands and, and sort of learns like the way you approached it in college or when you're going through a hard time or you're feeling pressure or it's not going the way you want it to go, you have a better, imagine the, the perspective you could bring to, because sports is just like life. It's, it's not really, it's, yes, there's a physical element to it, but you're navigating all the same things. And so that perspective, I think, is, is so important. I'm curious how, let's say from college, because your training was probably, I would imagine, pretty sophisticated, even to the beginning of beach volleyball to now, your, um, your off-court training. Mm-hmm. How have you brought in new modalities mm-hmm. of training and understood what works for you? Um, it was interesting because you talked about in Puerto Rico, you were beat up, but now... Um, this is a few years later, many years later, <laughs> yeah. and you're and you're healthy, <clears throat> you know. And I talked to Angie Akers, mm-hmm. who's your coach, and and we'll give credit. Obviously, Jen was your coach, um, but Angie talks about really how healthy you are. Uh, so, what did you? Because I think a lot of people are always looking, whether they're athletes or not, at ways to improve and train. How do you go about that process? Because you have to sort of follow something long enough to even see if it works. Yeah. And you can't bounce all over the place, but you have to keep an open mind. So how do you how did you make that journey? How'd you collect new information? And then, you know, what does that look like now? Oh my gosh, I haven't even deconstructed that myself yet. But yeah, I think having my body feel the way it felt in Puerto Rico is really traumatic and I never want that again. Um, what is that? Is that knees, back, shoulders? Um, what is that? My knee was terrible. Uh, couldn't jump off of it. Like it just touching it to the ground made it hurt. Couldn't raise my arm above my shoulder. Um, my last match in Puerto Rico, I tipped from my shoulder every single ball. I thought for sure I needed surgery. I was blown away that I didn't. So I think at that point I made a commitment to taking care of my body and, you know, worked with different, uh, strength and conditioning coaches, um, did some circuit training. I just feel like I've collected little things over the years. I've, you know, Googled stuff when my shoulder's hurting, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and gotten ideas off of the internet. I worked with a trainer. My shoulder was bothering me in 2017 and I, saw this guy doing some crazy stuff at the beach and I got to talking to him and he thought he could help me with my shoulder. And so we started doing um, nunchucks Uh and uh, Indian clubs and just all this kind of outside the box stuff that I had never, I'm, so I'm just like open to like whatever's going to help me. And then, you know, I, Kept those nunchucks. I used them for a warm up for years until they got confiscated in Brazil. <laughs> what do you mean at the airport or something? At the airport, they were Don't the you soft. Travel with nunchucks. Oh yeah, oh, way to go. They got. Uh, they almost got confiscated in Moscow. Got through Moscow, but got taken away in Rio. So I need to order a new pair. But um, wait, are you in your room? Are you warming up? Like, are you I'm in the beach? on the beach? I'm, oh come on, I love that. <laughs> yes, and yeah, people got a kick out of it. I never even thought twice about it because I'm like, this is just my, for yeah. my shoulder. Yeah. But everybody else was like, what are you doing you're, with nunchucks? You're like, I they want me to do you. something cool with it. And I'm like, I can't do anything cool with it. This is all I can do <laughs> like to warm up my shoulder. Um, but it helped and I loved it. I'd say the biggest thing for me, though, has been, I mean, weightlifting is just my number one. I spend as much time strengthening my body as I do on the court practicing mm-hmm. volleyball. And that has that time in the gym has climbed you know, throughout the years. And I'll spend 
two, two and a half hours at least in the gym, just, you know, weightlifting and doing mobility stuff. Uh, stretching and yoga have become a big part of my routine. Bikram mm-hmm. yoga. I People are torn on that, but it feels really good for my body. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm huge on that. But for me, the biggest thing is just being strong. And I have this push and pull in me and it, it was worse in college. You know, I think every college athlete oh, can yeah. maybe <laughs> relate like you're in the football weight room, like lifting super heavy and maybe not eating super well. And so you feel big, you just feel big and bulky and you don't want to look like that. But mm-hmm. like for me, I was very strong, but also had like a good amount of, you know, fat on me. And But that's also when you're 18, 19 and 20, you're still shedding also. The fact that you're not eating well, not you, but because I, I didn't eat well in college either. And, and you're I freshman. finally got it together eventually, but yes. like at the beginning. But you yeah. still have also baby fat. People, athletes don't realize that, that in a way you haven't even ditched some of yeah. your extra. And it's not unhealthy in any way. It's just you start putting on muscle and you start to feel big. And you're yeah. like, okay, I hate weightlifting, you know, because I don't want to look like this. But it is the most important thing, I believe, for an athlete to stay healthy. Yeah, so I've I've kind of come to terms with it and I don't care what I look like. Literally, I don't care. I actually am superstitious about what I look like on the court because Wait, what does that mean? Like if I try if I try to make myself look any better, like if I were to put on um waterproof mascara or yeah. You know, break like do something different with my hair to try to make it look cuter. I lose every single time. Like I can't care about my appearance. Like it's just a superstition for me. So I put my hair in a ponytail. There's you know shark fins and things sticking out, and I just can't care about it. Like I just can't. So, but it's part of a bigger like overall body confidence thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like just accept the way you look. Don't you know do what makes you feel good and healthy. And who cares what you look like to anybody else? Well, you know, Laird and I talk about this a lot because he'll see, you know, he'll, he, if he was here, he would see a woman like you and be like, and that body does something, yeah. right? And so I think... That's at the bottom of it for sure. Being I mean, grateful for what my body does for me. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's... And we were saying that even before we came on camera. It's like, and for especially for women, it makes sense. We get hammered all the time about the way that we look and it makes perfect sense. But when you can have a this vessel that not only is healthy that you're grateful for but also like it does something it's badass there's nothing more badass or sexy it, i don't care what black dress anybody has and i have to say when watching you and again this is just somebody from the outside who knows you know a little bit about it it gives the vibration of um not only stoicism but it's like no i'm here to play i'm not here for any other reason and all this like hoopla and all the thing and all that. It's like, and it, I think in a way, whether you realize it or not, I would imagine it also intimidates your opponents because Hopefully. they're like, <laughs> she is, she is here to, to yeah. play. Now, do you have any weird? Because I used to do weird. Like if I played bad with glass, certain glasses, I would get rid of them, or I never played in red because I never seemed to perform in the early years good in red. Did you have any kind of weird superstitions? I've tried so over the year I used to be superstitious like in college I would have to set my 
my water cup on the line and step over my cup every time. And it was just ridiculous stuff that didn't matter. And the more I kind of understood psychology and confidence, it's like, okay, I don't need to have these superstitions. You know, like, let's get over these. Let's have confidence that I can play regardless. But I still do have a thing with my visors. So I have like four different colors of visors. And if we lose in one, Oh, it's out. Not wearing that one again. But just for the tournament. I feel for like that each, weekend. Yeah, for that mm-hmm. weekend. Each tournament it resets so I can try the red visor again. And yeah. So, same thing with colored bottoms. Like if there's a color of bottoms that's not working for the week weekend, um, those are out too. <laughs> now do you have someone that you train and when you say lifting, I think it's really important. You're not just straight banging iron. I see, you know, there's things on one leg. There's just a lot, there's a variety. And I think it's really important that when we talk about resistance training, that it's it's also feeding into the whole body moving well, not just, okay, bench pressing and squatting, all these things. Those might be elements, squatting yeah. and snapping and things like that. But do you have someone that you train under usually? Like if you have enough time, let's say you're home long enough, mm-hmm. which probably has been more challenging lately. Do you have someone that they go, okay, here's our program. You sit down, you lay out the program, you look at the competitions, you see when you need recovery. How does that work? And then when you're on the road, how do you just maintain? Because that's not about growing, that's about maintaining. Yeah. Yeah. So our uh, USA Volleyball strength and conditioning coach is Christian Hartford, and he we sit down, you know, about now actually in the off season and we're like, look at the whole year. And he's, I've actually gotten crap for even being in the gym right now, you know, like April, get out of here. But I just understand what my body needs and it just needs, you know, consistent work to stay healthy. But so yeah, we'll program it out through the winter months and then leading into preseason. So there's zero volleyball volume right now. So maybe we'll do some more heavier stuff, get a good base. And um, once the volume, a volleyball starts to climb, we'll work into that. So maybe the lifting start goes down just a little bit at the beginning. And then once my body gets used to it, we'll ramp it back up. And um, mm. yeah, I that's mean, an important point. Yeah. Like you we look at the volume every day yeah. and we don't want it to spike, you know, so it can climb steadily, but we don't want it to be like zero to 60 one day. Um, Cause that leads to injury also. So, and that was new to me with Christian. Like I was always like, okay, well I feel good today. So I'm going to, you know, go, go for hard, it. Yeah. And then the next day I wouldn't necessarily be hurt, but just exhausted. And then that's when, you know, some tendonitis sets in and all that stuff. So this has helped a lot. I feel like just kind of keeping an eye on the volume day to day and giving enough recovery on certain days. And he, under, he obviously is an expert and understands it way better than I do. So I really trust him on that. And I said to him, I was like, you know, I I trust you. Like, I'm going to do your programs, whatever. Just you don't ever need to push me. Like, just let me know if I'm pushing myself too hard. So he'll let me know when I need to like scale back Mm -hmm. because otherwise I'm in there and I'm like, I need to lift heavier than I did yesterday, blah, blah, blah. But we really, I loved how we prepared for Tokyo. So push, push, push. I feel like I got really, really strong, really healthy. And then almost took an uncomfortable amount of time to taper. So like let off the gas, um, don't lift super heavy for, I mean, an uncomfortable amount of time for me is like, I think it was like three weeks before we went. (laughs) But I felt amazing in Tokyo and just like I had so much energy and spring and it was, yeah, so credit to him about programming and all that stuff. And I know that the year for a lot of athletes was hard 
that extra time of when the Olympics were supposed to happen versus when then COVID. But that actually really worked out in your team's favor. Yeah. You know, it just allowed if there was any ailments and it wasn't, you know, I know Alex was sort of navigating certain things. So again, there's something really very kind of perfect, not perfect, but it, there, there's some some really beautiful perfection in the story of the two of you getting together and, you know, her sort of upping her game and the two of you creating this partnership and even having that extra year. Where a lot of athletes, it was like, oh my God, I, I mentally was preparing for this and now I have to go for 12 more months. Yeah. Yeah, it it you never want to say that it like worked out for us because it was such a terrible time yeah. for so many people, but there were advantages. Yeah, cuz Alex and I got together in 2000 late 2017. We if we had gone to the Olympics in 2020, it, I think we would have had so what like two and a half seasons together, which is so short. I mean, and yeah. for her to just be on the beach for two and a half seasons is like not a lot of time at all. So to have that extra year where she could train and she was dealing with some really gnarly injuries at yeah. the point, like to the point where she was really afraid of how am I going to compete in the Olympics in 2020? So she was able to take care of all of that. We, it brought a lot of challenge. Also, we had to switch coaches and that was tough and just felt like we had to kind of start over. Um, tactically a little bit. Because so Jen had a prior commitment for her family, right? And she had to move. So we kind of have like two coaches. We had um, Jen Kessie was our original coach, uh, my partner from London. And um, then we have the head beach volleyball coach of USA Volleyball, who's Tyler Hildebrand. So we had, and they both, we went with Tyler two days a week, we went Jen three days a week. And um, so when the Olympus got postponed, they both had obligations that they had to go fulfill. And Jen was more um, like family oriented. Tyler took a job at Nebraska as a coach and that's a big deal. He couldn't push it back. So we lost two coaches in yeah. COVID. We were, you know, what are we going to do? Then this whole thing with um, Angie Akers, she was coaching in the Netherlands for six years and she was kind of the same as Jen. Like I could stay for another year, but my family, it was better for my family to move back to California. And so we heard about that and we jumped on that. So that was kind of like fate and coincidence. Um, So we got her, but then, yeah. So when you're in that journey, because I think when people pursue something, they, there are always hard times and always challenges, even if you know what you're doing, even if you've already been successful, it's just the way life is. Where do you emotionally find that next gear of like, because a lot of times people could be like, you know, you can get down or you can, uh, you know, be like, you know what, I have two medals and I just, this is, I don't want to yeah. deal with this. Where do you get the, the well, you know, that sort of next deeper part of you to say, all right, we have challenges. My partner's managing injuries. We have a, a year long, we've got to find a new coach. Where do you go? Where do you? I think I, it's, I think it's something I've learned from experience and I don't know where I get it from, but just doing the thing that's most, like if you keep your future self in mind and Mm -hmm. do what needs to be done in the present moment to give yourself the best opportunity for success in the long run, like, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's super uncomfortable and it's super draining, but just to go through it and do it and have the hard conversations and, you know, stick up for yourself and don't, you know, succumb to any kind of 
you know, manipulation that's going to be bad for you. Like, it's just, it's, I can't explain it any other way than just feeling like super stressful and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like having the conversation with Jen, like that we were going to go with someone else. And, yeah. um, you know, cause she brought up the idea of coaching from Maine and we were like, ah, oh, I don't know. You know, I don't think that's good for us. So, you know, it's yeah. tough, but it benefits you in the long run. And I think even when we were going through all of that, Alex and I kept reevaluating, like, how is this really terrible, unfortunate situation going to work for us in the long run, you know, and just kind of keeping that in the forefront of our minds. And yeah, this sucks, but we, we could be better for it. You know, like this could be what needs to happen. Who knows? And we have no control over it happening. So we might as well view it that way anyways. And yeah. And then Angie showed up and, it, it worked out great, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I'm just a huge advocate for doing the hard thing. Like, and yeah. the more, the, it's almost like the harder it is to get through it, the better off you're going to be on the other side. Like, the easier your path around the challenge, like the less you're going to benefit in the yeah. long run. So, it's like for me, I just, I, it's ripping off the band aid. Like, just rip off the band, just do it. Like, have that tough conversation. Yeah. And you are an example of that. When I talked to Angie, you know, she said like when you show up for practice, your ability to no matter how you're feeling, because some days you go to practice, you're more tired. Some days maybe something's happening, like you're not in a great, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, totally. Nobody goes and it's all sunshine every time. She said your ability to show up and do it and at this certain specific level every day and and also to know what's good and right for yourself. I thought that was interesting that she she said that that's one thing, one of the many things that she learned from you was that you are really in touch with what is good for you and what works for you. And I, I think, you I know, like that's a nice way to saying I'm stubborn. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Yeah. And it wasn't couched that way. Yeah. And also, listen, I think I'm not going to dance around it. It's like, oh, you know, a lot of times people will say as a female, if you're a certain way, people are like, oh, they're so tough or all this. And um, to be honest, the communication was you as, as a person and as an athlete was that you'll first show up yourself though, right? So it's not like you're saying, hey, everybody else adjust around me because I know it's good and right for me and I'm going to train. You're showing up and you're setting the example. And whether you're in a bad mood or not, that's not anyone else's thing. You're there to work and work hard. But also your ability to understand for your training. See, I think this is important for a person is things are hard, but then when things don't feel good, that's actually different. Yeah. And knowing like, I appreciate that move, let's say in the gym, training, I don't think that move is going to be good for me. Yeah. And, and I actually know that there's a lot of people that have gotten huge success with that move or that coach or that way of practice or whatever, but something about that is not going to be good for me. Uh, yeah. And that's different than it's hard. Yeah. Oh, I think I think I do that actually. I, now that I understand kind of what you're saying, I think I do that r- really well. That is mm-hmm. a huge reason why I've been healthy for so long is I know the difference. I know how hard I can push myself. And when it gets to the zone of like, this is not good for me mm-hmm. in the gym and on the court. And I'm very vocal about saying when that point is, because I know that it's only going to work out better for our team. You know, it's not me saying I'm going to quit. I'm quitting. It's like, you know, I don't want to end up injured. And, you know, I'm going to take my ego out of this because it's as, as an elite athlete, nobody wants to say like, oh, I can't keep going, you know, like you feel like a wuss. So it's actually the harder thing to do is to say, this is my stopping point. Like I got to, and 
That's I love that about beach volleyball because we do run the show, you know, and we can say that. It really scares me thinking back about like some of these moments in college volleyball mm. where like I wish I could have said that or I did say stuff like that and it was like, no, it's, you know, just keep going. Or you like go to the trainer and they're like, you know, don't feel like they can stand up to the coach. And so they said, she's fine. And you just keep going and then mm-hmm. you end up, end up with an injury. So I think it's really important to be self-aware of what, you know, paying attention to, you know, where your limits are and really standing up for yourself when you reach those limits. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, to Angie's credit, she was very open to that. And Yeah, but we talked about that. And I think that's a really good point because as a younger athlete and I always had a chip on my shoulder because I was unsure about how, my abilities and I wanted to prove to everybody that I'd work harder and do all this stuff. And a lot of times I got myself into situations where I was like, this isn't good for me. And I wasn't afraid of hard work. And I think that that's true, for example, in nutrition. There might be people Mm -hmm. who are like, hey, listen, that might work really well for a lot of people. Something about that doesn't work for me. It could be in a friendship or a relationship, whatever it is. It's like, I think it's so important for people to learn like, who am I and what works for me? Think critically about the information you're being given yeah. and apply it to yourself. Don't say like, oh, because it works for her and her and her, it's going to work for me. Like, yeah. really pay attention to how different things affect you mentally and physically. Yeah. And that's that's sort of a level of being in touch with where you're at. So let's move to nu- nutrition Obviously, we talked about college because, you know, my favorite is like you're a freshman and then you have these places that they feed you and yeah. you can eat as much as you want. Yeah. You know, I had those, those, you know, you go down and they're open at certain hours and you just eat as much as you possibly can. You know, are you strict? Do you have a way that you eat the night before a game or the week of? Are there certain things that really ag- agree with you as far as nutrition now at this point? Yeah. Well, speaking of just going back to college, yeah, I went... I got there. You have the athlete dining facility. Oh, yeah. I would have, not knowing any better, <laughs> oh, everything they're serving is healthy. I would have two plates of food every night my mm-hmm. freshman year because I'm like, well, this is what they're serving me. So it's obviously healthy. Like, that's where I started. I gained about 20 pounds my freshman year and then kind of started to figure things out along the way. Um, I don't know if I have a slow metabolism, but I do feel like I put on weight pretty easily. So I have to be really on my nutrition. And I've, I try not to be extreme. I've gone through those periods where, you know, I think before London, I was doing the juice cleanses, like trying to do three-day juice cleanses, which isn't even that much. Right. And just miserable. Wait, like and it's, practice and stuff? And train? Or did you have like a time where you maybe it was a more quiet time? It was more over time. the weekend, but still, like that's when my body's trying to recover. Yeah. And I mean, I would never... I would never get tell anybody to do a juice cleanse at this point. Like, I, I mean, especially if you're training hard. So I've gone from like those kinds of days where I was just experimenting, trying kind of, I went vegan for a little while. And I think just trying to figure out what works for me mm-hmm. in, the, in the long run. And this past quad, I was really, for me, it's the timing of the day, what I'm eating and moderation. I do try to keep out processed carbohydrates and sugars when I'm really on it, like leading up to the Olympics and stuff. Oh, I did intermittent fasting for a while when that became a thing. And that just doesn't work for me either. Like no fasting for me. So I do, I just try to focus on things that come from the earth, number one. Mm -hmm. And then if I need a little bit extra carbohydrate, like I'll have some wheat bread in the morning or, you know, whatever I 
if my body's really craving something, I'll have it. Yeah. But it's more just, um, yeah, cutting out the simple carbs and uh, focusing on getting enough fruit and vegetable throughout the day, honestly. If you're playing in the morning, do you eat before that match? Or is it yes, you always. do you eat? Yeah, I've <laughs> I've never had a problem eating before competing or pre- like in high school. I'd go from basketball practice to club volleyball practice. I still don't. I literally practice like five hours straight. But from basketball practice, I'd go get a huge burrito from my favorite <laughs> Mexican place, eat it in the car, and then just get out of the car and start practicing volleyball. So like I've never had an issue with that. Yeah, I have to eat otherwise I feel really jittery in the morning, and mm-hmm. I my blood ugh, my blood sugar. Will go really low. I can feel it on the court. Like I don't have a, enough emotional um, energy. Like yep. it, it almost is like I don't care what happens right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, do I'm, you have anything that you drink or eat even during the match? Like if you know, if it's I'll hot always, or if it's you know, it's like the Olympics is long. How, what are you doing there? Um, I always have a Gatorade with me when I play, and then they have the Gator lights, which are their electrolytes. So mm-hmm. um, I'll be drinking those like at least two to three times a day. I've done the sweat testing. I know how much salt I lose and so how much I'm supposed to have to replenish that. Um, so hydration is definitely a huge thing, and especially in Tokyo. And like I didn't realize in the beginning of my career how important hydration is with like recovery. It was just like, okay, so I can you know compete and sweat. I'm not dehydrated, but getting that on the back end and making sure you're hydrated before you go to bed, you feel so much better the next morning. So that's been a huge focus also. And even flexibility, you know, it's funny that if you talk to anyone who really knows what they, if they know what they're talking about, we don't equate flexibility with hydration. And uh, there's a really great guy named Matt Fury. He's kind of, was this wrestling kind of far out, but he talked, he'll talk about people coming. This is a guy who can basically lay on his face the other way, his neck flexibility. Oh my gosh. He's a huge guy, right? So he's, He's really serious, but he's like, don't even come see me unless you're you're hydrated, because he's like, you're thirty percent more, you know, flexible. And and the thing is, is I wish I had learned this much earlier. Is the correlation of injury and dehydration? Yeah, I mean they they're they're best friends. Well, I feel like that's helped me a lot. My dad was I we never drank anything growing up besides water. <laughs> oh wow. Oh yeah, like and I didn't like soda, like I didn't like the carbonation, so I didn't drink it. But my dad was just pushed water all the time and not even ice water. He'd be like, you have to drink room temperature water because you can drink more of it. So we'd just, and I still to this day drink room temperature water and I have to have a water bottle on me all the time. Like, so I just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a comfort thing. And yeah. yeah, I feel like I've always hydrated pretty well and I at least used to be really flexible. <laughs> Not sure where I am now. Well, you'll get you'll you'll get to it. So you your first Olympics, you went a silver, then you went a bronze, and and I know that the the bronze was sort of hard fought. Like you guys mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. dug in deep and and got that. So it's always interesting. People don't realize sometimes you can win. You know what's considered third place, but in a way, it was almost a bigger victory for different reasons because it was a lot of work. And now you win the gold. I'm always fascinated when people have a vision or a dream in their mind and then they reach it the next day. <laughs> is it is it like, huh, okay, that worked. I thought I could maybe do that. I really tried to put it all together and it worked. And then is there a moment, because you also have like a life, mm-hmm. you know, you have a relationship, you have your family. So I, I sometimes see it harder for people who haven't have not developed other parts of their life and then they're done and they're like, well, wait a second, what do you mean? Yeah. How did you feel 
because that, there's something to be, people don't realize when you set a goal as, tan, as impossible, but yet achievable, like it happened, here's your gold medal, I'm going to put it around your neck. How do you feel the next day? Um, well, the feeling I had was just, and it's the same thing, like I can believe it happened because we were so diligent and capable and worked so hard for it. But at the same time, I can't believe it worked out so perfectly and that we were able to do it. So there's this disbelief, shock almost. And for me, I feel like it was oh my God, I can't believe I did it because I have, you know, tried in London. We were so close, got the silver, went into Rio with complete blinders on thinking like we we're getting the gold, like mission. The only mission is gold, nothing else, you know? And well, especially with Carrie, because, you yeah. know, Carrie walks onto a court and we were fully capable. Yeah. And yeah, like pairing with, we had a very successful run up until the Olympics and not like we won every tournament or anything, but like yeah. we were very capable of winning, but it was almost almost like I was too attached to the outcome and and going for it too hard um, and was very stressed out the whole time. But that's that's a hard... Nobody understands if you're the next partner to somebody who has had another partner and they had a historical run. Yeah. For you to even step into that and not melt in general says a lot because that that's no joke. I mean, you know, I, it was great for me lots of growth and I learned so much and it was, you know, getting to play with the best person I could possibly play with. And like I said, it was me jumping in and just figuring it out as we went. And I I loved our run and I am so proud of our bronze medal. And, but just the fact that it didn't happen for, I'll say me at that point, you Mm -hmm. know, and then going into the next quad, not knowing who I was going to play with, then getting a partner who had never played beach volleyball before. And then, you know, kind of, creating all of this stuff from scratch and then you get to that point you're standing on the podium with a gold medal it's like oh my god I can't believe it happened like I still get chills thinking about it like my third attempt at 39 after a year of COVID this is when I'm going to win the gold medal obviously like I'll take it amazing like I feel like I've worked hard enough to to deserve it but yeah it was just a lot of disbelief and gratitude and relief honestly because like I said, I get to a, a certain point in my career, I've achieved something, and it's like, what's the next thing? You know, like, what else can I achieve? What can I push myself to, to see if I can do? And for me, the last five years, it's been, well, yeah, five, uh, nine years, it's been the gold medal. You know, like, that's what I need to check off. I've won world championships. I've made the Olympics. I've won national championships. Like, literally, the only thing left for me to do in my volleyball career is win this gold medal. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do afterwards, if I was going to keep playing. So this was literally possibly my last chance. Um, And so just the relief of having done it and a lot of pride. Like there's so many people that helped us do it. Like our team is huge and everybody just really invested so much. And my family has supported me for so long. It was just like feeling like you did it for everybody. And the pride that goes along with that was um, pretty overwhelming. So you you come across to me, I have other friends that are athletes and I sort of see them as people, some have an easier time transitioning out of a sport than others. Some it's doesn't it's a tough go. Mm-hmm. You seem like a person though, even though you're not retiring, who could transition out of volleyball pretty easily. It's an interesting thing because you're not retiring, you've just come off of winning a gold, you're healthy, there there's no limits, but you also seem like somebody who could really do something else. Yeah. And I think 
as much as I love to win and push myself and love beach volleyball, like I'm in it for the journey as much as for the outcomes. And sometimes I'll find myself like too attached and too intense and holding on too tight. And I'm like, April, you got to take a step back. You got to like, let go a little bit, even going into the Olympics, you know, things started to feel so stressful. And it's like, April, you just, if you win the gold, you win the gold. Like you can't go in expecting it or saying like my whole life is dependent on this moment. And mm-hmm. so I think for my whole career, I've tried to have that kind of what else can I appreciate about this journey? And like I said, traveling and going out and seeing different things and all of it has meant a lot. It hasn't been about the outcome or even I say, I always try to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is like playing and competing and seeing how good I can be. I'm not attached to like any kind of success or I mean, uh, success. I like to have, I like to win, but like attention or me as a volleyball player in any way. And I do feel like I've sacrificed a lot for this journey with my friends and my family. And so whenever I have a chance to, you know, spend time with them, it's really fulfilling and I want it to be a big part of my life. So I feel like I've had that kind of mental balance uh, my whole career. And I think that's what is going to make it easier to kind of transition out of it. And I like to be pushed. So I mm. think... You like that environment. Yeah, I like that environment. So yeah. to see what else I can do is really exciting for me. And I would love to just get in a different realm, whether it's in sports or something else, and just see if I can become successful in that way. I was listening to you and Alex talk about something that I just wanted to hear from you. So you both talk about how, like the first tournament you played together, you were not having great practices. You only had maybe six, seven weeks or something to prepare before. Um, You have a very green and experienced new partner who, like I said, is very, is tall, is very big. Mm -hmm. And so for people who don't understand, when you transition to beach volleyball, that actually doesn't always work in your favor. It, It makes it hard because a lot of times they shoved you at the net, they shoved you in the corner, you weren't passing balls necessarily, you were there to block and hit and maybe pick up a short ball and that's it. So here you have this new partner, even though she's intense and willing and you know wants to win. Your first tournament, international tournament, best teams in the world, you win. The next tournament, you're dead last. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so obviously the first tournament is like, oh, hey, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you guys were talking about how though that when you when it doesn't work or it's not going your way, that you both get very intense and sort of, I think Alex said something like, you, you almost like freak out, but not like hysterical, but like, okay, what's up? What's wrong? Let's undo it. Let's redo it. Let's do it. So when I was listening to that, I thought, oh my God, it's so exhausting. Like who has the energy to disassemble and reassemble something that works, but now it's not working. So let's look at it. But maybe that's where the two of you really meet is in that that is where it's the two of you are so uh, eye to eye because she comes across very different. It's sweet. It's all this very thing. But when I heard that, I was like, oh, I, okay, I'm getting this now, which is this, we're working hard. We take this serious. We're killing ourselves in practice. We're here to win. What the hell's going on? Yeah, I think that is exactly how we're similar. And she even more so than me just has this just level that she expects from herself and it's, it is. And I think it's more for herself. It's not even us as a team. It's like when she doesn't perform how she wants to perform, she really digs in, figures out, you know, why she's not performing the way she wants to perform. And I'm the same way, you know, and when it happens together or we lose, like we, we know we're better than that and we need to just 
it almost, it's a, it's like we're extremely motivated. I don't know if we'd call it like we do a little bit of a freak out, like, oh my gosh, is this even going to work? You know, after we've won several tournaments and we lose and like, is this even going to work? Like, you know, but obviously it is going to work. It's just, we have these major doubt moments and it motivates us to figure out how can we do things better and how can we not have this happen again? And yeah, I don't know. Well, I bring it up because she said, you know, you've had coaches who are like, hey, you know, this is a game and you should have a little more fun or like in warmups, they're like, hey, you guys are like so intense. And like, it just struck me because I thought it was interesting that it's the way it works for you and it doesn't eat you guys alive. Yeah. And it isn't is and it isn't actually a negative. Like I think like you said like it sounds really exhausting to you but it's like and I think to everyone else but it is it's a, how we operate it's what makes us feel good and she's also someone who has a good amount of balance in her life and I think we have a similar mentality and so we know that we're not like this is not going to after the tournament this is not going to stick with us. You know like we figure it out we're in it to win it, whatever, whatever that takes, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. But once the last ball has fallen, you know, like we can walk away from it and like be okay. But that's part of giving it everything that we have and being competitive and, and believing that's part of believing in ourselves is like doing all of that. So I think people were, and even going into the Olympics, our coaches were afraid that the thing that was going to ruin us was our perfectionist tendencies and that panic button that we push if things aren't going well. But if we're in a match and things aren't going well, which honestly, most of the time things don't go well when we're in a match, like you're out there figuring things out. We just, we drop it and we become just pure competitors. What do we need to do to win? Like, what's it going to take? Doesn't matter what we've been taught. If that's not working, we're going to do something else. And mm-hmm. we're really good at problem solving. But I, I think it's another way we've taken, we took ownership of our team and what we were doing on the court and making those decisions together and in the moment um, because we were so invested in everything as a team and breaking it down when it didn't work. Like, it was just allowed us to control the beast of our team better in the long run. And competing. I mean, that's competing is hard. People yeah. don't realize like there's nine different stories that happen in one match. It's up, it's down, it's, you know, it's, it, oh. there's crying, you know what I mean? It's like every emotion in one match and now you're going to play, you know, for weeks and weeks. Yeah. And I, Alex is like the best at like things aren't going our way. And then she'll just, one thing will click. She'll get like five aces in a row or like five blocks in a row. And it's like, okay, well that was, we finally figured it out. You know, like you just never give up. you like, keep working. You're trying to figure out what's going to, what's going to get you the victory. Where do you, where did you get this faith? Because there's one thing for you to know, govern yourself, but here you have a new partner who's trying to learn and figure it out. Where did you get that faith that you're like, okay, this is the partner I'm picking. Maybe not the most obvious pick. I mean, yes, she's had a lot of success and she's big. And so there's some things like that make said, sense. Like a lot of people who have success indoor try to transition to the yeah. beach, and and it doesn't work. It's a beast. And so, yeah, you don't you don't know. And so where did you get? Because you weren't going to be in charge of her, and you could sort of say, "Well, I have confidence in me that I will work this out." You went with your instinct on this with her. And where did you go inside? Because I even liken it, I sort of liken it to even parenting. Because when you're parenting, right, you have this person that you're like, I, I sort of know their essence and they're going to be fine. But inside you're like, oh God, I hope they make the right choice yeah. or they do it. And it's this process of, of giving space totally. to allow them to figure it out. Yeah. How did you do that? Because you're also on the clock. 
Yeah. Well, I think the number one thing that made me pick her is how she spoke about um, why she was transitioning to beach volleyball. And Mm -hmm. it was her one of her number one goals her entire life, unlike me, who kind of set my goal once I got to a certain step, like I think out of the womb, she was like, I want to go to the Olympics, you know, and so that was really a big driver for her. And and Mm. she had suffered some setbacks indoor, and that wasn't going to happen for her indoor. And so that's why she made the jump to the beach. And you could just feel the intensity with which she wanted this to happen. And I'm like, if you have that much fire behind a goal, like I have no doubts about how you're going to make it happen. And just we sat down and had coffee and just everything she said was really in line with my mentality and she was really, I could just tell, was willing to do whatever it took to make this goal happen. And then I was also, for the first time, not just trying to teach somebody who had never played beach before, but I was the more veteran player for the first time in any partnership. So trying to figure out how to be in that role and help her learn as fast as possible. We had to communicate a lot. And I think it was tough for her sometimes at the beginning, especially to kind of speak up because she had me and Jen trying to tell her what to do all the time. And I I never want to be overbearing. I was that underclassman where all the seniors were mean to her and all that stuff. So I'm really trying to just like make Alex feel as comfortable as possible while sharing what I could. And the way I would do it is just like, well, if I were you, I would do it this way. But that can sound like, eventually sound kind of naggy. Yeah. So she, you know, at certain points would say, I I got this, like, you know, thank you, but (laughs) I'm going to figure this one out on my own. And I got, you know, I got the message and I wasn't offended by it. I'm like, okay, if that's how you want to do it, like, I'm just trying to share my knowledge, but you, you do you because I know you want it as bad as I do. So if I thought somebody was slacking or not motivated, that would be different. Different. I knew she wasn't doing that. I was just, yeah. So you, you guys talked about, um, I thought this was just interesting and worth bringing up that you went and saw Nicole Davis Mm -hmm. and you sort of laid it all out. So what was this a conscious decision as a team to go and maybe just explain? Because there was something that I thought, oh, that's really smart. I haven't always used a sports psychologist, but you get to a certain point and you're like, what else can give me an advantage at this point in my career? Mm. And it's like, okay, obviously the mental part of the game is so big and how can we improve upon our current, you know, mental game and bringing a sports psychologist in was a no brainer at this point. And to help, cause we were on a timeline and to just help us learn each other better and what motivates us and, you know, where we are on this axis of what, you know, what language we speak and just make things go faster Mm. um, and understand each other better. And we spent two hours this first session just like listing our values and coming up with like a team mission statement. And yeah, it was really helpful. And we just had this really great cornerstone to build on after that session with her. And then we check in every now and again, every couple of months or something. Just like clean house and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And have her facilitate things maybe we didn't think about and things we should talk about. Yeah. So you you know, it's funny. We we talk about in work or personal relationships or pursuit of anything, how important communication is, right? Mm -hmm. Like you hear it over and over, like, oh, the important... Because you can avoid (laughs) so many hassles if you can communicate. Yeah. I'm just curious if it bled over in reverse into your personal life 
where you sort of saw this, because that's, you know, we learn in different ways, but that maybe through sport, you actually learned that skill back into your into your everyday life where you thought, oh, wait, this is an opportunity I could communicate. That's interesting. I haven't thought about it, but it has happened in parallel. I definitely try to be more just open with how I'm feeling about things personally and not let things fester and just get it out in the open, which is also what I was trying to do with Alex and we were trying to do with each other. But yeah, I think there's just goes along with everything else. It's a parallel between sports and life and, and mm-hmm. learning and trying to not get so emotionally charged that it's not productive. So mm-hmm. I'm better at that on the volleyball court than in my personal life. So trying to do that more in my personal life and take kind of my ego out of things and how do we solve this problem without getting defensive or offended. I think that's a huge key to, to happiness in general. Yeah, I would say. What, what traits, if you were to think about yourself as a person, have made you that feed into your being a champion and what traits do you see maybe as an athlete that works really well as an athlete, but it makes it tricky in your personal life? What's helped me be successful as an athlete is my work ethic, number one, mm-hmm. my competitive competitiveness on the court. And I've really tried to separate that over the years. I want to be competitive on the court. I don't want to be competitive off the court. And people give me so much crap when we're playing like board games or cards and saying I'm so competitive and I'm not. I just want to have a good time. But I think they think I'm competitive, so they get really competitive. They're projecting. They're projecting. And then if I win somehow, then they're like, you're so competitive. This is I'm like, I'm just having a good time. So, I'm having fun because I'm winning. <laughs> but I am very competitive on the court. I think having a level of detachment has helped me a lot. So win or lose after a tournament, like I'm moving on, you know, like I'm not holding on to it. It's not life or death for me. I have, and I think that's honestly part of losing my mom kind of early in my life too. Mm -hmm. I can kind of say this is a game and we're having a good time. We get to put it all out there, but at the end of the day, this is not the number one thing that matters. Mm -hmm. And so that level of attachment gives me some freedom on the court and some freedom to go for it without worrying about and being fearful of the outcome. And then the thing that hinders me personally is just my intensity. It's hard to turn it off. And holding everybody to this like standard of excellence that I hold myself to, Mm. even though I don't hold myself to it off the court as much as I do on the court, it's just like hard to differentiate and like, you need to push yourself harder. Like, why aren't you trying harder and all this stuff? So I have to mitigate that a little bit. It's such a dance. I think we all have things that really serve us that we're trying to always manage simultaneously managing that. You know, I've thought a lot about it personally. I didn't always like live with my parents. And when I was five, my father passed away in a plane crash. And now if I look back, I've lived enough years that I can see weirdly, even though it's sad and it's different than losing a parent at 19. I also see in all the ways that I am more because mm-hmm. of of it. I think I it made me more determined. It made me more independent. It made me more even scared, which also propelled me. Yeah, you know, the it's motivator like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. and then you, you try to, again, mitigate and find new reasons instead of just, I'm surviving. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about that with your, with your mom, and I know she was a really intricate part. It was funny because I was thinking about with my girls, they don't, if they have a practice of any kind, they're like, beat it, I don't want you to come. And you're like, my mom will come to my practice and my games. And well, first I'm curious if 
you had all went through a phase when you were a younger teenager where you were like just a regular teenager with your mom. Or were you always, did, was it always sort of cool with her? I don't think I was ever, I ever experienced like the teenage angst. Mm. My sister did that for me. <laughs> you were too busy and tired from playing I was. sports. Oh my gosh. I, what I, all I did was play sports all day, every day, and I had a couple of friends. But I was pretty chill, so. But do you think there's something, because you just even mentioned like the perspective of, because perspective, and that's what Angie talked about, is you you have, she said, your level of perspective is pretty stunning, is that looking at what you've experienced with your mom, there was also a superpower that it gave you, or maybe many. For sure, and and the perspective is the biggest thing, and it also sparked me to try and make each day as meaningful as possible. And whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do to my best ability. And everything's going to be mindful. Like I'm not going to live any part of my life on autopilot, like because you just never know how short it's going to be or what's going to happen. So really making stuff matter. Whatever I'm going to do is going to be something I'm passionate about. My heart's in it. And I'm going to love it. Like, that's part of why I quit indoor volleyball. I was just like, I could keep making money, but I, my heart's not in it. I don't like it. So I'm going to quit. And I feel like I would have done that with anything or I'll do that with anything. You know, like if I'm, doesn't matter how much I've invested, if I really am not feeling it or it's not, it's just, you know, the universe is not saying this is the way and I hate it. I'm just going to, you know, I have no problem being like, okay, my life's too short. You know, got to go a different direction. Yeah. Do you, it's interesting though when you, when, you, when you have that because there is sort of a perceived harshness with that, right? Yeah. But I think it's just really honest and most of us are afraid to, to kind of have that level of like, no, I'm so sorry, this is what I, I need to be doing. I know you're, you're very close to your sister, but does any, do your friends or does anyone ever like, oh, April, you know, like tone that down or are you at a place where you are probably only surrounded by people who are like, yeah, I get it, that's you. Yeah, I yeah, I have a small but tight group of friends who I think really understand me, but at the same time, they're still a little bit like April, like chill out a little bit. We go we go on vacation with kind of this group of friends every now and again and I like have to work out. Like I'll get up early and I'll go and work out at the cost of making it on the mountain at the same time as everybody to go snowboarding or to the beach. And I'm just like, I got, I got to stay on it. Like they just give me a lot of crap for it, for just being so intense. And, but like, I don't know, that's part of, you know, giving it my all and being in it. I I can still go to the beach all day. I'm just going to go to the gym and make sure that I don't get home and I'm totally out of shape. Yeah. So they do everyone around me. They like roll their eyes at me, but they understand me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't take it on and uh, not have people around you that get it. Yeah. Um, the other thing Angie talked about was, you know, that you don't seem actually so interested in controlling the outcome. That you're really good about focusing on controlling the controllables. And has that always come to you, or is you, have you just moved more into that as you've had more experience? Because that's that's kind of hard to do. Yeah, it's it's been a realization and I still struggle with it because I am a control freak and I want to control everything. And that's another thing I'm trying to get better in my personal life, like not trying to control everybody and everything around me. But yeah, especially on the volleyball court, like it's just frustrating to try and control other things that, you know, I have no control about to 
be uh, annoyed by the wind if it's super windy and the you know we can't play the way that we want. Like it is really frustrating, but you get in it and you're like, this is what I have to deal with. You yeah. know, like all I can do is the best I can do right in this moment. And that's another thing, like just always trying to be present in what you're doing and not worrying about you know what's going to happen next. So yeah, I think that's been a huge asset is really focusing on what I can control. Adversity, getting through adversity is just a little bit easier when you do that also. So, Were you the kind of girl who never had any drama with your friends? Yes. You kind of <laughs> seem like you're a person who's like, what are you guys talking about? No. Okay, I'm out of here. Oh yeah, I'm so go with the flow. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> I just like, did you hear that she was dating? You bet what? I hate gossip. You bet what? I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What are you guys doing? Oh, no. I'm out of here. Do you, what do you think it's like to date you now? (laughs) Come on. What? I mean, (laughs) to date me? Yeah. Like for your guy right now. Like, what's that like? I mean, I could break it down for you and tell you, like, my husband's like, oh, there, look at her over there. (laughs) What, what do you, what do you think it takes? The personality to be with you. What does what traits see will will sort of work? You have to be open minded. <laughs> you have to be able to see my intensity and understand that it comes off harsher than it really is. Like mm-hmm. underneath it all, I'm like I said, pretty go with the flow, pretty chill. And you can call me on my BS, you know, like. April, you're being way too intense right now. Like, this doesn't matter. It'll be fine if we don't get this done today and, you know, not get super upset with me for the way I go about things and just talk some reasoning into me. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend is very good at communicating. So um, that's very helpful. And he's, you know, it's not going to hold anything back. And I also like, this goes, this isn't exactly answering the question, but he's very social and lighthearted and offsets that seriousness that I have. And so he will lighten the mood and get me out of my volleyball bubble and doing everything 100%. It's like, okay, let's just go relax for a little while. Yeah. Well, April, I have to tell you, I, first of all, congratulations. Thank this you. is, you know, it, but also you're really, you know, as an outside person, an athlete, you're really fun to watch because I was saying to Angie that you have a little bit of what Misty May has for different, I think, very different reasons. I think she's she was just grew up on the beach and so natural and just, it's so fluid and good, mm-hmm. you know, but it's this sort of like, okay, here we are, let's go. And it's and it it's very fun to watch, but it was also like a steady kind of freight train coming. Like in the, I could you could feel it, like yeah. where you were, you know, lowering the hammer, and uh, you were like, oh, okay, here she here she's coming. So I just um, I really appreciate it, and and I look forward to seeing. Not necessarily. I'm excited that you're still playing volleyball. I think um, I'm interested to know what's going to be your motivation next, yeah. and I know it's to see what else you can do. Um, but it'll be interesting when the season starts. <laughs> I'm just going to cold call you and be like, hey, you're in Russia? What are you eating? Okay, yeah. how's it going? <laughs> well, now it's about you know exploring the limits of human potential and yeah. being an older athlete and seeing what else I can accomplish, I think. but You know, it's important though, I think for, as athletes get older, also to remember how young they are. Yeah. You know, I, have a, I just meet, recently met somebody who was the most decorated person in skiing and I was like, try to remember though, you're a young you're a young man because yeah, like, he he aged out of his sport because that's a you know downhill yeah. like you're, you've blown most up. Most sports are it's yeah. brutal and that's the other great thing about beach volleyball right it's hard to move in the sand but it is forgiving mm-hmm. in a whole other way 
And that, I feel like society has this like yes. vision of what how old an athlete should be. And so That's like it. I try to or I feel this obligation almost to recognize my biological age mm. even though I feel so much younger and I just that's a good point. I need to. Well, just I want go to invite it. you to because I've just been around all kinds of athletes. Where, for example, like you'll if they're you're on TV and you you hit the ball, they'll be like, "And can you believe it? At this age, yeah. and April Ross is just performing amazing." I mean, they do it with Federer. They hear oh, the thirty-something-year-old. Yeah. It's like I've heard shut it about up. me. Yeah. So I just want to invite you to keep doing what you're doing, which is to trust yourself. Don't listen to that because people will be like, "It's amazing," and da da da. Let's. I mean, if it if it excites you and it's still fun for you, then um, don't get into all yeah, of that. Hopefully. That's a good. That's good advice. I'm going to take that. Yeah, yeah. Please do. And I just appreciate your time. Maybe just remind people in all the places that they can find you. Okay. Yeah. No, this has been awesome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, the places you can find me are on Instagram, Twitter, April mm-hmm. Ross Beach, mm-hmm. and um, Facebook, April Ross Official. Um, I think that's it. So if there was something to end this that, uh, you know, you felt you, you come off one way, let's say, but really it's another, do you, do you have any of, do you, cause I, you know, we all have something where everyone thinks that we're a certain way, but we're actually quite different. Do you have something that you think, oh, wow, people really misread me on that? Um, I think it happens both ways. So some people assume I'm really, I, I, I view myself as kind of yin and yang. And I do have this like really chill side, easygoing side, but then I also have this really ruthless and intense side. And, but I can switch back and forth like pretty easily. And so if you encounter me on the yin side and just ruthless and whatever, like I can, you know, still have, you know, be that chill person. So to just not be like scared of me when I'm in that that mode. And also if I'm super chill, just don't assume that like, I'm going to do whatever you're asking me to do or, you know, go completely with the flow. If I don't feel like that's the way I should go, you know, I feel mm-hmm. like I can switch back and forth a good amount. Maybe that's the Gemini in me. Maybe I am kind of Gemini. Oh, see, there it is. <laughs> we, we found it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it's, it's really even, there's some richness to a story that you couldn't have possibly known was gonna was gonna go with all these turns and uh i can't believe it worked out the way it worked out it's crazy congratulations thank you thanks so much for listening and if you'd like rate subscribe and leave us a review if you want to see some of the behind the scenes action just follow me at gabby reese and remember don't miss new episodes every monday the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.